Well, hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Brand Builder Show. Uh, today we're going to be talking with a founder who has built a significantly sized business and uh, really keen to hear the journey from Trey. Welcome to the show today, Trey. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Ben. Happy to be here. It's going to be a good one. I love talking to founders, uh, hearing their journey, the ups, the downs, the pains, the frustrations, the innovation. Uh, so I'm sure there's going to be so much to uh, dig into here and really uh, help people on their journey. We've got a range of you know, different entrepreneurs right at the beginning of their journey. Some are looking to scale up. And so I'm sure you're going to have a lot to say for everyone at different stages of the journey. Um, to get started, though, why don't you give us a bit of background? Tell us a bit about how you got your journey started with e-commerce and uh, fast forward to kind of where you're up to today and then maybe we'll dig into some of the hows of how, how you did it all yeah yeah exactly I mean it's a long journey but um, uh, right out of college uh, I just studied abroad in Thailand and I got a job at Facebook here in nice. Chicago in the US and it was amazing um, I actually worked there for two years but um, I knew I always wanted to keep traveling. And so my job at Facebook was to teach people and teach other brands how to grow their business. Yeah. And I would give them recommendations and I'll see them triple their ad spend, triple their revenue pretty much overnight. And this was like in 2018. And so it kind of in, inspired me to consider doing it for myself. I just came back from studying abroad, as I mentioned. And so I wanted to travel. I wanted to live freely, I would yeah, say. Yeah. Nice. And even though Facebook was the best company to work for at that time, it was amazing. I still felt like I wanted to do something differently. Mm -hmm. And so um, January 1st, I made a New Year's resolution in 2018 and said, I want to start my own business. And so I knew one thing that I learned from a lot of podcasts is you just got to get started. And so yeah. I pretty much just applied all those learnings that I was learning at Facebook and teaching all these brands to my brand. So I started um, men's shorts because I knew I just wanted to get started. A simple product that really um, resembles what I wanted to do in life, which is travel, live in Bali. Um, and so that was our goal, to live in Bali for two years, start our business to do so. And I'm actually in Austin now, four years later. I just got back from Bali um, two months ago. So we did the two years in Bali. Nice. It was amazing. A great journey for sure. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there's so much that I'm sure that our listeners will want to hear, particularly about that, you know, how you built the business uh, remotely and lived where you lived. Because I'm on, on Twitter and, uh, you know, there's so many people on there that talk about living the, uh, you know, the traveling lifestyle and uh, there'll be some challenges to it, right? Um, maybe it's not as easy yeah. as everyone thinks it is. Yeah, exactly. I think for, for us, our biggest challenge was actually working mm. um, enough. <laughs> Because in, in Bali, you're surrounded by a whole bunch of people who are just trying to have a vacation lifestyle. Mm. And that's the reason why we wanted to live there, too. Yeah, we yeah. wanted to be more freely. Um, and so that was our biggest challenge. And that's the reason why we came back. We wanted to focus the next year to two years to build our businesses as mm -hmm. um, much as we can. So maybe we can sell one of them. We actually have two businesses. Okay. Um, and so that's our that's our big focus. And that's the reason why we came back. Yeah. But as far as... Um, Running our businesses in Bali, it, it wasn't as hard as people imagined. I mean, a lot of our roles are remote anyway, our email marketing, our advertising. Mm -hmm. So we are already remote for the most part. Yeah. The only part that wasn't remote was our fulfillment, which we have a warehouse in Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. And we had a team that we really trusted to handle that part. So mm -hmm. we were very fortunate on that end. 
um, and I can dive into some more details. Mm, yeah, if, yeah. If you I, want. The questions are piling up, so I'll be well for sure. Um, you said we did you start the business like with a, a partner, a business partner? Yeah. So long story short, my business partner is my girlfriend. Nice. Um, we met studying abroad in 2016 when I was in Bangkok. So love Southeast Asia. That was the reason we went back. She also worked at Facebook with me. Nice. So we've been doing this the whole journey, learning, advertising, learning how to grow a business. And we started two businesses together as well. Yeah, nice, man. What's the other business? Uh, it's called Vibe Interior. It's this art behind me, oh, actually. Yeah. Um, so we sell canvas art in the U.S. We're going to be launching internationally, actually, next year. Nice. And we're really excited about it. We partner with artists around the world um, and get exclusive rights to their art to sell and we just try to focus on the highest quality canvases with their art and making sure that we can kind of, you know, expose them even more. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome, man. The um, Let's talk about Bamboo Ave then, the, the e-commerce brand that you started. Uh, men's Shorts, you, you said. Is it still just Men's Shorts or have you expanded from there? Yeah, so I'm actually wearing a t-shirt that we launched this week. Bamboo Ave started again. We just wanted to start the business. Mm. And I first came up with the idea of a waterproof pocket and I knew like that would be so hard to do. Uh, so I said, let me just start with regular shorts. And so we started off as swim trunks at first. Mm -hmm. After the first year, we did a survey to our customers and we found out that they're wearing them for everything. They say, I lounge in them, I walk my dog in them, I go get air, um, groceries, errands, whatever. And so we really started to pivot to this everyday short. And it mm -hmm. actually re resembled what we wanted to be as a brand anyway. And then COVID came. And it really doubled down on people wanting our shorts for working from home, just hanging around the house, especially as they're stuck in the house, which really helped our growth, but also helped on our brand vision on what we mm -hmm. wanted to be. And so now this year we launched t-shirts. Um, in January, we're launching joggers. And in March, we're launching our women's line nice. that Mariah will be handling. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, nice, man. Awesome. And just for, for like context as much or, you know, as you're willing to kind of say, what, what kind of size is the business up to now? Yeah, so our we pretty much tripled every single year so far. Oh. Um, and yeah, we're in the upper seven figures now. Nice, man. Awesome. And um, uh, there's loads I want to talk about. I think product development would be great to talk about. Um, marketing, how you've done that. Obviously, the Facebook time would be great. Um, Team-wise, how you built the team and then fulfillment as well. These are the kind of the main things that really stick out to me that I think would bring a lot of value to um, to, to our listeners. So yeah, first and foremost, product development. Uh, where are you making these products? Is it China? Is it overseas somewhere else? Where are you getting them made? Yeah, so all of our products are made right now in China. Mm -hmm. We, When we lived in Bali, we tried to produce there. It mm -hmm. just didn't make sense for our business yeah. to import and export laws there or taxes. Uh, we focus, um, one thing I didn't mention for Bamboo Web, we focus on being as sustainable as possible. And so we, someone may assume that we're made with bamboo because we're called Bamboo Web. It actually was just a catchy name that we loved when we traveled the first time. We're actually not made with bamboo. And the short story behind that is bamboo is not that sustainable. Okay. It's actually one of the least sustainable materials to put as fabric to mm -hmm. make it super soft. It takes a lot of chemicals and waters. Um, so what we did instead is we found an alternative in something that I think is even better. So we're made with recycled or upcycled coconuts and recycled plastic bottles. Oh, wow. And that combination makes really soft fabric quick drying odor resistant and 
uh, I think it's the best product for us. And it still keeps that tropical feel, mm. in my opinion, mm. that coconut instead of bamboo. Yeah, and nice. when we go, when we're living through Bali the whole time, it was pretty cool. Like we'll walk the beach, we'll see a whole bunch of upcycled coconuts right there, plastic bottles on the beach. I mean, that part wasn't cool, but it was cool knowing that our shorts are helping to reduce that. Yeah, that's amazing. So um, there's no cotton or anything like that involved. It's all out of these. No, no so, cotton. It's yeah. It's, uh, wow. it's essentially it's polyester. Yeah, yeah. Instead of using the standard materials that they use for polyester, we're using recycled plastic bottles and upcycled coconuts. Awesome, man. Have you visited your manufacturers? No, but we will in March. Oh, so really? we already have a, a planned visit as long as that China continues to open up the way that they are. Yeah. We're going in March. We haven't been able to. Our first year, we were too small to do it. And in the last two and a half years, it's been COVID and they've been closed. So, mm. And the, are you just using one manufacturer for everything? No, we have uh, probably four to five manufacturers okay. right now. Yeah, nice. Yeah. That was a big thing that we really wanted to focus on, I think, a year ago, maybe two years ago, is diversifying a little bit. Yeah. We've had bad scenarios where a product is not where we want it to be, and you need more suppliers to kind of hold them all accountable. Yeah, yeah, definitely. One thing that we're thinking about for the future as well is, especially in the U.S., you have, I'm sure you deal with it in the U.K. as well, there's different relationships between different countries and mm -hmm. making sure that we have little risk to do with that as well. So yeah. we're trying to find suppliers outside of China as well, yeah. just in case yeah. something bad happens. Yeah, I think the last couple of years obviously has shown us that diversification is so important in terms of location, suppliers. Um, I mean, we once had a, a supplier go AWOL on us, you know, like the, my main contact was um, she got pregnant. She said she'd be off for two weeks. She was actually off for four months couldn't get hold of anybody else at the company just absolute nightmare and um you know it just showed me then and there how important it is to diversify so yeah yeah absolutely doing the right thing there for sure um in terms of clothing just for anybody that's listening and may want to produce clothing we talk a lot about you know physical products like um you know that are maybe more traditional products but clothing is a bit of a different ball game um, what are some of the things that you're having to do to really build a quality product obviously like tech packs up front quality inspections at the back end uh, what kind of things are you doing in that process to really make a good quality product yeah, you're right. So I think the biggest learning that we learned over the last three years, three and a half, four years now, is one, don't rush the process. Awesome. Do not rush it. If you mm -hmm. rush it, you will run into errors all the time. Number two is make sure you get a production sample. There's many times where we launch products where we didn't get the production sample. In our scenario, it's because we have custom fabric. So for us to actually get that Production sample, we need to order the fabric, which takes 60 days, and you already made the order. Make sure you get the production sample. That is really key because we ran into a lot of situations where when we didn't, things didn't work out, whether mm. the fabric was see-through, whatever the case is. So those are the two biggest learnings that I have for clothing manufacturing. But quality control is by far the most important part about this. Mm. And making sure you have a partner that really understands the quality that you want to deliver is extremely important. 
sometimes, actually a lot of times when I speak to new suppliers, they're always trying to cut corners right away. Mm. They don't understand that we really want to be sustainable. They don't understand we really want high quality. They think that we're just saying it at first. And so they try to cut corners. You need to be really clear with them that you really care about these aspects and that they need to make sure that they care about it as well. Otherwise, it'll be a short-time partnership. Yeah. And then the... um... In, in terms of that relationship then with the manufacturers um that that production uh, sample sorry that you were talking about the that would be a case of getting the design to them getting them to make it up exactly as it would go out to the customer and then just send you one unit of that for you to check exactly so the production sample usually what they do is they actually create two of them okay. they keep one they send one to us mm-hmm. and if we say yes this is what we want they use that as the the reference for mm-hmm. all the production so it's really important that you get production samples and usually all suppliers do production samples but they may not send them to you okay. so it's understanding that process and making sure that you understand that i need to see what the final product will look like yep. before i decide to actually order this product yeah and it, some products might be easier than others, but when you do custom products and you make your own tech packs and things like that, you need to make sure that you get that production sample because yeah. you do not want to wait until you get 50 boxes in the mail and mm. say, whoa, I don't like this. Yeah. And you are getting just one per style or are you getting one of every size or? So for us, we sell shorts and we do designs of different colors. Next year, we're doing 20 to 30 different designs. Mm-hmm. I recommend of every style, Mm. not every size, but if we're coming out with 30 different designs, make sure you get 30 different designs Mm. in the production sample. The the meaning or the main reason behind that is because like they could be Mm -hmm. see-through. That was a big issue that we have with ours. When we do with the lighter colors, they can be see-through. The fabric, Exactly. The (laughs) fabric may not fit or hold it shaped the way that you want it to and so you just need to make sure yeah yeah nice yeah good um and then in terms of once you've done the production run are you doing anything after everything's made or what you've approved the production sample so you're pretty happy to proceed without doing any any further checks yeah once we approve the production sample it's pretty straightforward wait for the shipment to come in on that end that's that's the easy part then you have to start getting ready for the launch obviously photo shoots and things like that but that's about it yeah the uh, minimum order quantities for clothing is it similar to sort of normal products you you know two three five hundred how much you having to order uh i think moq is 250 500 depending on your fabric you use and different things like that i know our fabric for instance since it is a custom fabric it's way higher, which we can still use that same fabric across 20 different designs, mm. but the MOQ does increase a lot. Yeah, nice. Good. Awesome. Okay. Um, and then uh, I'd love to sort of talk about marketing, how you got it going, the, the brand. Um, how did you get those first 50, 100 customers? What, what was the strategy? Yeah, so I'm very privileged because uh, when I worked at Meta, they actually gave us $250 per month to run an ad credits. So that really helped us out at the beginning because we knew nothing. We just wanted to kind of get started. And so we used that 250, my 250 and Mariah's 250, so 500 total for the first few months just to get started to really understand. I would say that that wasn't enough to actually grow. We had to put our own money behind it. But we started our business. 
I believe we invested around five to six thousand total for inventory. And after two months of running um, Facebook's or Meta's money, we were able to have some type of cash flow at least. Mm. And since then, we never put any more money into uh, Bamboo App. Serious? Is, yeah. Wow, that's impressive, man. To, to you know, bootstrap and not have to put more cash in for something that's grown so much. Um, is that down to good margins? Good margins. Um, just getting lucky. I'll say that. I'll admit that. Like we have been lucky. We've got. We've been fortunate. Obviously, come to with. Obviously, it comes with a lot of hard work. Mm. I would say it's not as easy as it used to be. I think that's the reality all across the world from what mm. I hear. Mm-hmm. So if we were to repeat this right now, we may not get the same results for sure. Yeah. How has your marketing strategy changed over the last couple of years? Yeah, so when we first started, it was just Facebook ads to the product page, done. And let's, yep. hopefully we have a good cash flow. Uh, in the last two years, it has changed so much. It has changed from you know landing pages putting a lot more effort into what the ads look like. You just, it's just not as easy anymore. You have to actually be a marketer now. Yeah. And so I actually like that. I I don't think I'm the best marketer for sure. Like I learned so much from Twitter and all these other marketers, but I feel confident about our future in 2023 as far as diversifying. So we spent about 50% of our budget already on Google. And that happened this year. Before this year, we were only we were ninety nine percent Facebook. Yeah. Um, so that we had made a big shift already to Google. But my next year, I want to even diversify even more. Um, direct mail. I want to organic focusing on organic more, like on the TikTok and Shorts and Reels. These mm-hmm. platforms are really rewarding brands for just being consistent. Mm-hmm. I really want to double down there. And yeah, my whole focus is just making sure that if there's a channel that we can reach new people, let's leverage that, especially with marketing costs going up and through the roof. Yeah. The other part that I'll add to how we're changing our marketing is putting a lot more emphasis on before we run an ad rather than the ad itself. Mm-hmm. So this is making sure that we have the whole funnel built out, such as landing pages. So if we're having an ad regarding these are the best work from home shorts, making sure that we have an ad and a landing page that flows together. So it's maybe these are like click funnels. I'm not really too familiar with a click funnel or whatever, but mm. it's a better funnel that we're trying to do next year. Yeah. And making sure that it's a tailored and a cohesive experience overall. Yeah. yeah. Do you use Shopify? Yep, Shopify. Yeah. Nice. Um you mentioned Google ads. Are you running like uh shopping ads or is it AdWords or what what are you using there? Uh, Pmax. So Pmax pretty much replaced the shopping ads okay. this year, I believe. And basically, you just set it up and you let it run. Basically, you put a target row as. There's not too much you can do as far as optimization. You just have to keep refreshing it and giving it new assets when you think the time is right. Yeah, nice, good. Um, and then you mentioned about sort of social media and stuff like that. You're you haven't put much into that yet, but you're going to do more of that. You're saying. Yeah. So. I mean, to be honest, organic or TikTok is really hard to uh, allocate resources to. Mm -hmm. For us, we when we lived in Bali for four months, we actually had a teammate with us and he was making TikToks and he did a great job. 
the problem is we we don't have anyone that good anymore. Like mm. he was an A one partner, teammate, employee for sure. And so when it comes to TikTok, you really want at least for our brand, we really want to have a genuine experience. We don't want to just post trendy stuff on TikTok. We want to tell the journey of Bamboo Ave, tell why we're here, why we matter, why they should buy from us and also just show like there were real people behind it. And so what that means for us is we need someone to actually be a part of the team to do that. But however, we don't know the results that would come from it. Yeah. Um, so we don't want to hire a full-time person for this if we don't know if it's actually going to result in any sales. Yeah. So we're trying to balance that. It takes a lot of time to film, edit everything. And so we have some editors who do this, but it just takes a lot of time. So we're trying to figure out what the workflow looks like. Mm. But it's something that I'm really hoping to double down on. And we're already starting now. Yeah, nice. You mentioned their team, which is one of the other things I wanted to get onto with a you know, seven-figure brand. What, is a, what does your team look like? So it's myself, Mariah. We're mm-hmm. like the main full-time employees. We have a few virtual assistants, mm-hmm. not virtual assistants, because um, they do a lot more work. But they're essentially virtual assistants. And then we have a customer service team. In Wisconsin, we have a team of three that handle our warehouse. Mm. And what am I missing? Oh, we have a lot of agencies that we work with. Email marketing, media buying, Mm -hmm. um, affiliates, all that. So we're pretty remote overall, though. Yeah. Yeah, so you would um, work with an agency first on, say, something like email marketing. Let's take that as an example. Rather than hiring in-house, you would initially start with an agency and look to hire in-house later down the line, or, or do you think you'll stick with an agency long-term? I think you, every business reaches a stage where it makes sense to bring in-house. Mm-hmm. I think email marketing is one of the ones that go a little later because to hire to bring that in-house, you need someone, a designer, you need a strategist, and you need someone to actually set it up. So those are three different roles. Mm. And so it doesn't make sense, honestly. At the agency pricing, it's better for them to handle it all. Yeah. But some roles we are looking to bring in-house, such as media buying. We mm. would love to have someone on our team that we think is skilled and experienced that can grow both of our brands. Mm. That's one thing that we're really trying to find. It's kind of hard to, it takes a long time to find the perfect person yeah. for media buying though. Yeah, 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 definitely. What does what your day-to-day look like as you know one of the main uh, operators in the business? Man, it's all over, to be honest. <laughs> uh, I try to have, one thing I really try to focus on is having specific days. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'm focusing on the acquisition. Tuesday, I'm focusing on growth in other channels. Thursday, I'm focusing on a product and just branding overall. So I try to we try to silo our days to make yeah. sure that we have some focus, some routine. Mm. But so many things go up, fulfillment problems. There's so many things that come up in our day to day life that we realize. Like when we take vacations these days, it's it's not even a vacation. Mm. We're trying to find. There's always some fire to deal with. Yeah, yeah the you mentioned about photo shoots as well um the um you had one last week i think um how do you like prep for those do you try and do loads of products at one time and do photos and videos or do you have any kind of tips on that side photo shoots are our best days we love that in bali we actually had a studio that we went to for every shoot 
they had a staff already there mm. and we worked with them and they did everything from photography. There was no editing really needed because the lighting was just that perfect. So if I was a small business and or if I was just starting up, I would really invest into studio time, especially for shooting product and making sure that you are representing your brand in a good way. There's a lot of times that you should definitely hack it though. If you can find a clear wall, there's Canva these days where you can actually make it look realistic. And I even hired somebody on Fiverr recently to edit our products. I didn't know they needed to be edited, edited, but then I hired him. I think I paid like $50 and he made our products look from like ugly to like the most amazing. And I didn't even know that was possible. So with the photo shoots though, we, we totally love this process. And as far as the planning, we do it ourselves. Uh, we really try to focus on, that's our Fridays or whatever day we do branding. And we try to focus on what kind of photo shoot would be effective for us. The yeah. studio shoots are really just focusing on the product and making sure that our website looks amazing. Mm-hmm. But the outdoor shoots are more about what is what are we trying to communicate as our brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a couple of last things just to want to try and cover. Um, firstly, you mentioned there like website. Um what are you is there anything special you're doing on your website product pages landing pages you mentioned earlier um if someone's just starting a new brand and wants to really get good conversion rates is there anything particular that you're doing with that yeah if definitely if you're starting now i think the main thing that you should focus on is call to actions i read the book building a story brand mm, i believe yeah, yep and he really talks about call to actions. And that book really transitioned us from failing, I would say, in the first like three months to mm-hmm. turning it around and actually profiting on every, profiting every day, basically. Yeah. And it came because we, we knew how to advertise at Facebook, but we didn't know how to market. And mm-hmm. that book really taught us how to do so. So if I was starting off or if I have a website, the main thing I'll focus on is make sure you have enough call to actions. And secondly, and maybe even more importantly, making sure that you are actually communicating why they need your product and not just telling them the benefits of your product. So mm. talking about like, instead of just saying it's soft, tell them why that matters. Mm. So this is the most comfortable product you'll wear yeah, it's yeah. Just, instead of saying it's just soft because you need to kind of tell them exactly why it matters to them. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Awesome. And then in terms of fulfillment, you mentioned about a team in Wisconsin, a warehouse. Uh, did you think, um, like from the outset, that was, um, did, did you play with the idea of using like a third-party logistics company or you just went all in on, on a warehouse? What was um, what was the process behind that? Yeah, so our warehouse isn't too, too big, so it, it wasn't too big of a thing. Basically, I lived in Chicago and I'm from Wisconsin and – as we were moving to, we lived in Tulum and lived in Bali, we were like, okay, what do we do next? We didn't really consider 3PLs because our big, our long-term goal was to have our own warehouse with our own office and just had kind of like to show the office and have this really cool community <laughs> of employees. That still is our goal, but uh, one thing I have been looking into recently since I just moved to Austin and with this climate right now, with everything crazy expensive especially warehouses here in austin because you have all these big tech companies is what does a 3pl service look like from when i did a analysis last year i was just trying to see if we're doing okay regarding our warehouse our warehouse was actually cheaper and that's because in wisconsin 
it's like 60 cents per square foot but when you come down to Austin, it's like $2 or $1.50 per square foot. It kind of changes the, the narrative. So right now, in Wisconsin, it makes sense to have a warehouse. It's fine. We get to go there. We get to have our team. In Austin, we'll, we'll see. I'm actually doing that analysis again tomorrow to see if that's something we want to do. And regarding our own life, too, we I talked about how I want to be free and I want to travel. Yeah. Well, we came back for the next two years to really focus on our brand, but... Since I've been here, I already miss traveling, and so using a 3PL would be a, a huge benefit for us if we did want to continue traveling. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what does the future hold? That was, uh, that was kind of my next question. So what, what are the plans for Bamboo Ave and for, for you as an entrepreneur? What's the next five years looking like? Five years, wow. <laughs> That's far. <laughs> uh, next year, our big focus is kind of diversifying a lot more on our products as well. So we've only sold shorts in the, la in the last three years. So the focus now is to launch more products, launch more designs. Our customers are asking for it, mm -hmm. but it also helps us out in making sure that we're not holding inventory for one SKU for the whole year long because we over pivoted. So therefore, what we're trying to do next year is really diversify, learn what everybody loves. We're launching joggers, we're launching t-shirts, we're launching women, we're launching other fall products next year. And then use 2024 to really double down again. Right now, we don't know what's happening in the market with, they're talking about recessions and things like that. So for us, we think it's the right move for us. We still will grow two times next year and do it in a smart smart way, in our yeah. opinion. 2024, double down. Unless we are in a worse economic situation yeah do you do you think you'll sell the brand at some point that's something that i've thought about more recently i think i, I listened to this podcast maybe six months ago and he was saying everybody has a price right <laughs> for us we always said no we won't sell this we have two businesses so we said we'll sell vibe interior mm -hmm. and then that will make us i guess financially stable for a long time and we'll keep bamboo ave just as a passion project and keep it growing and there's no reason to sell because we have no financial reason to. Mm -hmm. With that being said, I would love to just travel for like three years and not do anything. Mm -hmm. So we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Right now, we're not planning to sell Bamboo App though. Nice. Good stuff, man. Well, is there anything that I haven't asked you yet that you think would be useful to share with everyone about your journey? Um, you know, uh, tips, any last kind of knowledge bombs you can drop on us um i think the biggest thing is just get started do yeah. it i think what we're trying to build bamboo ave is about it's a clothing brand for people who are intentional with life who don't live a cookie cutter life like yourself like myself making sure that we don't follow just what our parents told us to do go be that doctor that plumber whatever do whatever you want to do yeah and so with that being said just do whatever makes you happy yeah. that's my biggest advice to to anyone yeah, man. Well, you're an inspiration, Trey. You're living so many entrepreneurs' dream, traveling the world, building a business, and uh, you're super humble as well, man. You know, really humble, um, and it just it shows though that you care about what you're doing. And uh, yeah, exciting future ahead for Bamboo Ave. I'm very sure of that. Thank you. Thank you. Good stuff, man. All right, well, thanks for coming on the show. And um, where can people find out about? Um, bamboo ave and uh, other things that you're doing where's the best place to connect with you i mean do you do much yourself like outside of the businesses social media and stuff like that or 
Yeah, so I'm trying to build my TikTok right now. Oh, nice. Um, I only have 100 followers. I just started. So you can follow me at Trey Brunner. Um, I think it's on TikTok at Trey, T-R-A-Y, Brunner, B-R-U-N-N-E-R. Nice. You can follow our Bambuav account, which I think has 11,000 followers at Bambuav. And yeah, those are the places I'm at now. Not too much on Twitter. Yeah. All right, well, we'll get the links in the show notes as well um, and so people can jump on and follow you there. Perfect. Awesome. All right, guys, well, welcome. Uh, welcome. Thank you for her listening to the show. Uh, it's been a great episode. I'm sure you've got lots out of what Trey has said there. Definitely check him out on TikTok. Check out Bamboo Air Ave. Get yourself some nice, comfortable, sustainable shorts and uh, we'll see you in the next episode real soon. <laughs>